Hi, everyone. I'm Tavi Nasir, and this is Leadership Biz Cafe, a show that looks at some of the challenges leaders face today and what you can do about it to ensure you succeed at driving your organization's efforts forward. Leadership Biz Cafe is brought to you by Tavir Nasir Leadership, our leadership firm that offers both keynotes and corporate training events on a variety of leadership topics. To learn more, visit our company's website at tanvirnasir.com and let's talk about how we can help bring in valuable insights and practical tools to help your organization succeed in achieving its goals. And with that, let's meet my guest for this episode, Oscar Trimboli. As a speaker, I can speak at 125 words a minute. On average, I have 900, 900 words stuck in my head that I'm trying to get through my mouth at 125 words a minute. So there's a one in nine chance or 11% that what I'm saying is what I'm actually thinking. If you ask a group of leaders to rate their listening skills, most of them would say that they're good listeners. And yet every few months, there's a new study that comes out that shows how a majority of employees don't feel heard and understood by those in charge. And furthermore, how this can not only lead to low levels of employee engagement, but increased levels of employee turnover. So what's causing leaders to think they're good listeners when they're really not? And what can they do about it? That's the issue we'll be exploring in this episode with my guest, Oscar Trimboli. Oscar is an author, keynote speaker, and host of his own podcast, Deep Listening. Prior to his current work consulting clients such as Cisco, Google, PayPal, Qantas, and TripAdvisor on how to understand what's being left unsaid by employees and customers, Oscar worked as a marketing director at Vodafone and Microsoft. In addition to his drive to help others become better listeners both at work and at home, Oscar has made it his personal goal to create 100 million deep listeners across the world. Oscar also happens to be the first Australian guest to appear on my show. Hi, Oscar. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Tampi. I'm looking forward to hearing your questions and listening to how you're going to approach this. So, Oscar, over the past 10 years, there has definitely been a significant shift in how we collectively view leadership where we've come to appreciate that to succeed at leadership, we need to move beyond that old model of command and control leadership, where we're now focused more on how do we empower employees to bring their full selves to the work they do. And obviously key to that is the process of our ability to build and nurture relationships with those we lead. And certainly being a good listener is key to not only nurturing those relationships, but to better understanding the needs of your employees and what they need from you to succeed in their efforts. And while most leaders believe that they are good listeners, there are so many studies that have been done that have shown that one of the key factors behind low employee engagement levels and high turnover rates is employees not feeling heard and understood. In fact, I just read recently an article in the Harvard Business Review called Want Fewer Employees to Quit? Listen to Them, where researchers shared their findings of how creating an environment where employees are given a voice actually reduces employee turnover. So to start our conversation today, Oscar, what's behind this gap in perception between how listeners view their listening skills and how employees feel? Why are so many leaders convinced they're good listeners when in fact they're not? Yeah, my three favorite statistics are 83% of people think they're above average car drivers, 86% of people think they have an above average IQ, 
and 84% of people think they're above average listeners. None of us were taught how to listen, so we don't know what good is. The more senior you are in the in an organization, the more of your time you'll actually spend listening. If you're a frontline manager, 63% of your day is spent listening. If you're a leader of leaders, it's about 72. And if you're an executive, you're going to be spending nearly 83% of your day listening. So if you want a productivity hack for the 21st century, uh, learn how to listen because only 2% of leaders globally have any training whatsoever in how to listen. In Australia, I didn't have a listening teacher at school. I'm sure in Canada they have lots of them because they're very much enlightened and leading the world. And and for most of us, our first listening teachers and our most significant listening teachers are actually our parents. And they often come and talk to me at the end of a presentation saying, how do I teach my children how to listen better? I said, they're only role modeling what you do. So if you want to listen better, be a better listener for your children. And for those of you out there who have children, uh, you want to listen better, get down to their eye level. Don't stand above them when you talk to them. If you can get down, whether that's crouching down or lifting them up, uh, you'll listen completely differently with eye contact with children. And equally, if you're remote and you have to call them or FaceTime them, make sure you sit on a chair or you might sit on a bed if you're in a hotel room to make sure you're at eye level for them as well. It will change your mindset and it'll get you into a real listening orientation. But Tamvir, ultimately, it's the lack of even understanding what the steps are to great listening. No, Nobody I've met can easily say, well, here's the five steps to great listening. They can talk about that when it comes to speaking. They can talk about speaking with influence and speaking with impact and speaking with power. And then when I spend a little bit of time with them and say, what do great listeners have in common? They all scratch their head. The opposite is true, though, Tanvi. When somebody's not listening to us, we need no training to figure that out. Right. It's funny, though, when you think about it, because I'm sure you've come across, especially with your focus on helping people become better listeners, how there's so often we share that notion of how we have two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen more than we speak. And yet I love this idea you just brought up about how we never really had a class or we never really had moments around the dinner table where the focus was on here's how I'm going to teach you to become a better listener. It was just kind of implied, I guess. It's interesting, though, how you bring up this idea that we do take for granted that, well, we are innately good listeners because, well, I have two ears and I only have one mouth. Ancient traditions do this so well, whether it's the Inuit of North America, the Aborigines, the Maoris, uh, even in the Asian cultures, whether that's China, Japan, India, and even further across when, when you get into the ancient Arabic and Judaic cultures, the best way to teach somebody how to listen is to tell brilliant stories that take time, not stories that are sound bites. And the uh, traditions that have sustained themselves, whether that's tribal Africans, tribal uh, leaders in South America, the ability to tell extended stories and hold the attention of the person who's listening is a really transformational tool 
to helping people developing their listening muscle. So the, the more stories you hear, the better you get at listening. But it has to be a masterful storyteller if the stories are disjointed and don't kind of make sense. It's difficult for that person to keep their attention. And by far the most common myth about listening is that you need to focus on the speaker. And although that's handy, it's the wrong starting point for most of us the person we need to listen to first is ourself. And we have to be prepared to come to the conversation and listen because most of us turn up in the workplace with the last meeting playing in our head or the next meeting or our shopping list or we've got to pick up our kids or we've got to figure out, do some shopping or we've got some chores to do and all of a sudden we're distracted and we're not in the moment. In fact, it's happening for you right now, whether you're driving, whether you're running, while you're listening to this podcast, you're completely distracted. And the reason you are is that although I speak at 125 words a minute, you can listen at up to 400 words a minute. So you're filling in the gap with the 300 and you're kind of going, hey, Oscar, hurry up. And if any of us have ever listened to a recording at a high speed, we're still able to make it make sense, have comprehension. And in fact, Blind people have much faster listening capabilities than sighted people. They can listen up to 300 words per minute. So the, the most important thing, Tanvir, when it comes to listening is getting you right as a foundation to listen before you get into the conversation. That means switch your phone into cell, uh, your cell phone into flight mode. It means drink a glass of water, it means be conscious of your breathing and get some oxygen going in your brain with three simple deep breaths. You don't have to go into a yoga position, but if you get those three things right, you are miles ahead of anybody else when it comes to listening. Well, that's a fascinating point you bring up about how we actually in our brains have space for 300 words more than what we can speak on average. And it makes me think about how a lot of times when you hear conversations or uh, read articles about how to improve your listening skills, one of the things they'll often talk about is how there is that tendency we have that when, let's say someone comes to us with a problem, as they're talking, we kind of in our brain are figuring out what we want to say next. And I guess in some ways, it's that 300 word gap that's existing between how many words we can think and how many words a person can speak in a minute that's causing us to do that. So given that there is this gap in how our brain processes language, how do we make sure we're truly staying present and wanting to listen as opposed to anticipating what we should give as our response? Yeah, and you've beautifully explained one of the four villains of listening, the shrewd listener, the problem-solving listener. And if we've got time, we'll come back and spend some time with the four villains of listening. The reason we show up in that way is because we listen in black and white. And if you're really listening deeply, you listen in technicolor, you listen across five levels of listening. Most of us are listening for words where possibly looking at body language. We're not necessarily looking at their state, which could be the posture or the energy they're projecting in the conversation. They might be slouched. They might be having their shoulders back. If you're listening at five levels, you won't have time to fill in the gap. So the five levels of listening really quickly are level one, listen to yourself. Level two, listening to the content 
Level three, listening for the context. Level four, it's kind of a ninja move, so bear with me, Tanvi. Listening for what's unsaid. And then level five, listening for meaning. Listening for what's unsaid is really critical. In the speaker's mind, remember that 125-400 rule we talked about? In the speaker's mind, they have the opposite problem. As a speaker, I can speak at 125 words a minute. On average, I have 900 900 words stuck in my head that I'm trying to get through my mouth at 125 words a minute. So there's a one in nine chance or 11% that what I'm saying is what I'm actually thinking. Now, Tambi, I spend a lot of time at this stage of my life with doctors and uh, doing the annual checkup. And I tell you what, if my doctor said to me, hey, Oscar, good news, um, we've diagnosed something for you and you've got an 11% chance of surviving the surgery, I want a second opinion. But for most of us, even though now you can never unknow this, that there's 900 words stuck in the speaker's head, we never ask them for a second opinion. And that's simply saying, tell me more, anything else. And if you do this skillfully, if you do this powerfully, you'll move from a distracted listener to a deep listener. And what the speaker does they take a deep breath and they'll say these beautiful code words. They'll say, Tanvi, you know, actually, oh, you know what's really important? Or, you know what I should have told you? And then they bring out what they mean rather than what they say the first time. Because for a lot of us, the first time we say something, we haven't rehearsed it. We haven't got a script. We're just blurting out what's the most conscious thought in our head. But to get to depth and to get to meaning, the highest level of listening, we just need to be a little bit more patient. So quite often, I'll say to people, men listen to fix and women listen to feel. A lot of the time, women don't need fixing. They aren't, they aren't broken. They just need to be heard. And sometimes that's just a simple, what else are you thinking about? Or tell me more will start to unravel the conversation for them. The difference between a good listener and a great listener, Tanvi, they don't listen to make sense of the conversation for themselves. They listen to help the speaker make sense of what they're saying. And when you do that, listening's really simple. It's really light. It's not draining and you don't have to concentrate so hard. So remember the 125-400 rule when it comes to listening, but remember the 125-900 rule when it comes to what they're saying. And can you see, Tanvi, by going through these five levels, if you're doing that consciously in a conversation, it's really hard to get distracted because you're just listening through multiple technicolor dimensions. You've hit on so many fascinating things that I want to touch on. This whole notion of the five levels of listening, I think, really is a great segue into it. And that is the problematic nature we're seeing a lot these days in how so many of us are communicating today through digital channels. I mean, we text, we email, we send out tweets on Twitter or post messages on Facebook and LinkedIn. And there's been some preliminary studies coming out about the generation coming up on the heels of the millennials, the Generation Z, how they're starting to show a lack of effective in-person communication skills because they're so used to talking to others via screen. And I have no doubt that the rest of us, as we become more reliant on our mobile devices, we will also start developing similar bad habits. So you mentioned amongst the five levels that there was this one level of making sure we understand the context. So how can we make sure 
this context and finding those missing elements and digging in deeper remains our focal point as opposed to, as you said before, and I loved how you said it, that we're focusing on what we're hearing as opposed to what the person is trying to tell us. Yeah, and the distinction between that distracted listener and that deep listener is that the distracted listener is listening for themselves. Their Their orientation is, how am I making sense of this? And as they do, they're figuring out sometimes how to solve it or how can I interrupt them to shortcut this conversation because it's, it's, you know, I can give you the answer straight away kind of thing and the interrupting listener is another villain of listening. I think to your point about devices and technology, the thing I want everybody to be conscious of is when appropriate, those devices and those technologies make sense. But for most of us, it's unconscious, it's default, and we don't take the time to think about, given given the content we want to explore and given the outcome we want to do, what's the best format for that? Some, sometimes it might be electronic because we want, we, want to, we want to record that in some way. But for a lot of these complex things, as we move from the information economy to the imagination economy in this 21st century, when it comes to using our imagination, it's really layered, it's really nuanced, it's it's really contextual. And I think there's a lot we can learn from, from China, from Korea and from Japan, really high context cultures where silence, for example, is a way of communicating. And when you're using electronic methods, for example, there's no space for silence. So I, I would say, be choiceful in how you use those devices by themselves, those technologies are not good or bad. When it when it becomes unproductive is when we're not deliberate, when we're not making a choice in which way we use that technology. For for a lot of complex things though, they will require some kind of face-to-face interactions and humans interchanging ideas. And some of those face-to-face interactions might be video conferences as well. So it's not the technology is good or bad. I, I think for all of us, it's like, when's it the right time to use that technology? And when is a, a phone call, a face-to-face, a video more appropriate for the kind of outcome we're trying to achieve? When you mentioned earlier on, you kind of said, how do we listen for what's not said? Uh, a lot of us in the West use these terms like pregnant pause or there was an awkward silence. In the East, you would never have any reference to that because silence, stillness is actually a sign of maturity, seniority, and in a lot of cases, wisdom. So one thing I would say to everybody on this podcast is, have a think about the next time you're in a dialogue with somebody and just become comfortable with holding the silence a little bit longer. And the way to do that, treat silence like it's another word. Treat it with respect, listen to it fully, listen to it completely, and understand what that silence could actually mean. For a lot of us, the silence is where the heavy lifting takes place. And if we let the silence do the heavy lifting, we'll make much further progress quicker. A lot of people say uh, listening takes more time than the alternative. And I say to everybody who's ever been in a work in progress meeting for a project that's behind schedule, I can guarantee you every project failure, every cost overrun, every missed customer 
has come as a result of you not listening to them. And the same happens when you lose a great employee or you keep employees that aren't really engaged in the workplace. You're not listening to what matters to them. Right. You know, I'm so glad, Oscar, that you brought up those terms that, you know, we hear a lot in here in North America of the awkward silence, the pregnant pause. And I'm always found it striking whenever I see these articles talking about dealing with those awkward pauses or those pregnant pauses, how it's the irony of how our language is shaping how we understand listening and communication, where for most people, those are those moments that make them feel uncomfortable. But me as a communicator, one of the things I've learned is that's how you help people process the ideas that you're trying to convey, that you're giving them that moment to really ponder and fill in maybe the things that I'm not saying. They put in their own understandings, their own realizations. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think going back to your notion of the five levels, this kind of shows when we're talking about context how here we're contextualizing silence in this negative connotation, but for others who our profession really focuses on us being strong communicators, we don't call it awkward silence. We call it something critical to us being effective in relaying information and helping people understand what it is we're trying to say. Yeah, and really effective communicators, if you hear the great orators of history and, and their recordings, they're very deliberate in using pause to allow the audience to catch up with the weight of the statement they've just made. Whether it's Martin Luther King talking about, I have a dream, you'll see he uses pauses really effectively if you get to listen to the full recording of that. Often we, that's literally all we hear, but his use of pause to allow the audience to go, how does this make sense for me, mm -hmm. is, is quite transformational. And, it, and it's back to the neuroscience of those words, 125 words spoken, 400 words heard, 900 words thought. If we can understand what that means, we'll start to listen very differently. When you talked about context. If you're thinking, oh, gee, I'm a really good listener, we'll start to listen for things like this. Does this person always speak in the past or the future? Does this person always speak in details or do they speak in pictures, frameworks, metaphors? Do they speak about themselves as individuals or do they speak about themselves as part of a collective? Once you start to listen at these layers, you start to help people make much more sense of what they say. And when we listen at context, Tanvi, a simple question you could always pose to them is, hey, I've noticed there's a pattern in what you've said so far. And just pause. Your job isn't to tell them what you heard in terms of pattern. Your job is to make sure they notice their pattern. And I, I use this technique regularly in our workshops and every time the pattern the speaker notices and the pattern the listener notices are different. But it's helping the speaker notice their own pattern that helps them make progress in the conversation. And they walk out of there going, you are the best listener I've ever met. Thank you very much. You changed my mind. Because ultimately, if you're a great listener, you're open to change your opinion and their opinion as well. Now, there's something you said very early on in the conversation, and you mentioned two of them, but I love the term of it, and I'm pretty sure you know what it is I'm going to be bringing up, and that is you talked about the five villains of listening. 
you got to tell me what these are, Oscar, because that's really an interesting way to refer to things that are problematic to becoming a really good listener. Yeah. So in my training work, I started to notice a lot of patterns emerge and I've got a database of about 1400 people who've opted in to do some research with me about their listening habits and how they're progressing since they've learned about the five levels of listening. What emerged was there's four listening villains that show up consistently, no matter whether I do uh, the training online, whether I do it face-to-face, whether it's with men or with women or people from Asian backgrounds or people from European backgrounds, the the villains play out almost exactly the same. So the four villains are a dramatic listener, the interrupting listener, the lost listener, and the shrewd listener. So the dramatic listener, much like a stage metaphor, they love listening to you because it creates a platform for them to tell an even bigger story. So you'll say, oh, I'm really struggling with my boss at the moment. They go, yeah, I've got the worst boss ever. In fact, let me tell you about it. And they love your story because it builds on top of theirs. It's not that they don't care about yours, but their primary orientation is all about the drama. You know, yeah, we're really struggling with this merger at the moment. Oh, tell me about it. When we had our merger, we lost so many good people and the, the worst boss I've ever had in my life. That's how the dramatic listener shows up. It's not that they not willing to listen to you, but their intention is to explore the emotion and the richness in the conversation. And they want to connect with you at an emotional level. It's just they're not aware of this villain behavior. The next listener is the interrupting listener. They, The minute you draw breath is their commercial break to jump in and give you a solution. And the the interrupting listener is the most overt, the most loved, and the most identified, as in people we hate as listening villains. So if you're referencing somebody else, the interrupting listener comes up a lot. And if you see really bad talkback radio presenters, they love interrupting uh, as quickly as possible because they just want to stay on point from the talkback caller coming in. The next listener is the lost listener. And this lost listening villain takes two forms. Um, The first level of lost is, why am I here? oh, I'm really glad you invited me to this meeting, but I don't really understand why I'm here. And it typically shows up in team meetings the most. They sit in team meetings and they go, if I just listen to the 15-minute mark, I'm sure I can make sense of why I'm here. And while they're doing that, they're completely lost because they're trying to figure out why they should be there. The other way the lost listener shows up is they're stuck on their devices. They turn up to a conversation and they're texting away or they're whatapping on their cell phone or they're sending a, a message to somebody or they might do it on their laptop or they might do it on their iPad, but they're completely lost in something else altogether. They're not present in the conversation. And then the third way they can be lost is in their own story. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened to me. But unlike the dramatic listener, they just keep that story in their head and they drift away. They seem vague in the conversation. People use terms like they blank out. So that's the lost listener. And the shrewd listener, disproportionately represented in selling professions, um, medical professions, legal professions, accounting professions, in fact, any professional services, anywhere where you take a brief, the shrewd listener has kind of got their hand on their chin and they look at you intently 
Tanvir, and they nod as if they're listening, but in their head they're saying, really? Do you think that's your problem? Once I solve that problem for you, I can tell you about three other problems you haven't even anticipated. I am so smart. And the shrewd listener is probably the worst villain of all because they're giving off all these signals that they actually are listening, but in their head, all they're trying to do is fix the situation or fix you. So there's four listening villains where you can find at listeningmyths.com is the dramatic listener, the interrupting listener, the lost listener, and the shrewd listener. And whenever I do this, the audience completely transforms because they all can identify with somebody they know in their life that's really one of these listening types the most. And for you listening, the one you kind of related to the most, the one you hate the most, the one that really frustrates you the most out of those listening villains, that's the one you are most likely to be. You know, Oscar, I'm sure people listening right now are probably thinking, you know, this is a lot of work because we are talking about behavioral and perceptual shifts. But as I've written on my leadership blog, leadership is hard work and certainly building and nurturing relationships with your employees is hard work as it needs, as we've discussed, your genuine attention and focus, which is why I'm hoping our listeners recognize that to become a better listener not only takes intentionality on our own part, but also making sure we're in the right frame of mind to have these conversations with our employees. And it's not just those hard, difficult ones, but those ones where we have that opportunity to connect and truly understand their reality, their context, as we've been talking about. So in other words, we should be giving these moments where our employees want to talk to us the care and attention they deserve and not try to treat them as speed bumps that get in the way of us getting through our day. So as you said, you know, take that moment, take a breath, have a glass of water and be ready to truly listen. So with this in mind, Oscar, where can we begin this process of improving our listening skills? What can we use as our starting point to become a better listener? Look, really simply, if you go down to listeningmyths.com, download the five levels of uh, five myths of listening, you'll get some really simple prescriptions there. But honestly, Tanvi, if all you did was understand the most important person you need to listen to is you and clear your mind before you come to that conversation, your listening will increase dramatically. The biggest gains in listening are made with those smaller steps. Step number one, remove whatever those distractions are, be the cell phone, the laptop, the, the iPad, whatever the case may be. Uh, number two, Drink water. A hydrated brain is a listening brain. The reason listening is hard for a lot of us, we, we probably work in a workplace where we drink coffee and that's going to dehydrate us. So we need to be conscious of that. So if you do drink coffee, you actually have to have a glass of water for every coffee you drink as well as an extra one. So again, a hydrated brain is a listening brain. And then finally, three deep breaths. And I'll explain to you how I do this when it comes to visiting one of my clients. The minute I step into the lobby, my phone goes into flight mode. The minute I step into the elevator, I breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth and take that breath all the way down to my lungs. I do that three times and nobody in the lift is looking at me like I'm some yogi or some crazy guy trying to do a yoga pose. They don't even know it's happening. 
but it helps clear the mind and it brings your attention to the present moment. And then when I announce myself to the receptionist, they often say, would you, they offer me coffee or tea. I always say, look, I'd love a glass of water. And if you don't mind, I'm seeing Mary and John, if you could bring one for each of them, that would be great. And in that, we've set ourselves up for success. If all we did was those three things, the world would listen differently. I'm on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world before I leave this planet. And I'd love to tell you a whole bunch of sophisticated, really complicated academic stuff to do. But I spend all my time saying to people, switch your device in a flight mode, drink water and breathe. <laughs> and if that's all you did, you'd be shocked how fast your listening would improve. Wonderful advice, Oscar. I really like it. Even though this is called Leadership Biz Cafe, I like the idea and I agree with you wholeheartedly the importance of staying hydrated and making sure you're really present in the moment. And I honestly think, Oscar, in your goal there of reaching that many millions of listeners, I think you certainly helped prove the case today that while listening is not easy, we can and must do better if we are to bring out the best in those who lead. So thanks for helping shed some much needed light in this issue, Oscar. Thanks, Tanvit. Thanks for listening. Some interesting food for thought from Oscar on how we can become better listeners. And as he pointed out, he has more insights you can learn from his website. To learn more about that, as well as some leadership articles of mine that address some of the ideas Oscar and I discussed in this episode, check out the show notes for this episode at tavernasir.com LBC, where you'll also find episodes and show notes for past episodes as well. And that's a wrap for this episode of Leadership Biz Cafe, brought to you by Tavernasir Leadership. Looking for a keynote speaker or corporate trainer for your next event? Then visit our company's website at tavernasir.com to find out how we can bring these kinds of insights to your organization, either at an upcoming conference, leadership retreat, or for a corporate training event. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review my podcast on whatever app or platform you listen to the show on. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, to name just a few. You can find links to these as well as past episodes on my website at tamanasir.com LBC. And if you'd like to reach out with ideas or possible guests for the show, just fill out the contact form on my website. This is Tamanasir, and you've been listening to Leadership Biz Cafe. Leadership Biz Cafe.